reading of the Word of God. I mentioned earlier that our theme today is the word struggle, and in the text this morning, the word struggle appears one time. When you, I want you to not just hear the word struggle, I want you to feel the word struggle. So when I say the word struggle, I want you to take your fist and hit your hand or hit your bulletin or hit your kit. No, don't hit your kit. Yet. No. <laughs> but let, let, let's practice, ready? I'm going to say struggle, ready? And you hit something. Struggle. Here we go. Genesis 25, verse 19 to 28, and Romans 9, 10 through 16. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Arminian of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Here we go. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to the inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand, holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Romans 9. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this invitation this morning to worship and to find rest for our souls that we need so badly this morning. Thank you, God, for giving us a glimpse of your beauty among the storming seas of life in the music and the prayer and the scripture and now the message. And Lord, thank you for entering our struggles. Thank you for using our struggles to protect us and to bless us and to fill your purpose for us. God, guide your servant Steve this morning who brings your word to us. And God, I pray that through your word, our eyes will be opened, our mind will be alert, our hearts will come alive, and our hands and feet ready for action. We pray this in the resurrection power of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. During my sermon preparation this week, 
my dentist called me and said, do you want to have your tooth pulled? And I said, sure. So I went in and the oral surgeon kind of walked me through the process that was going to take place. He said, there's going to be a little pinch. You know that little pinch? And then a big pinch. And there's going to be some pressure and some vibration. And there'll be some noise and some grinding and some twisting and some cracking and some pulling. So anyway, I thought those were actually good terms to describe the struggles in our lives. A little pinch, a big pinch, some grinding, some cracking, some pressure, some pulling, right? Good words. As Mike mentioned, our text today is about struggle. So turn to Genesis 25. And in the same way that the dentist was preparing me for that struggle of extraction that was coming, Genesis 25 prepares us for the struggles that we face, the little struggles and the, and the really big struggles, and all of us live somewhere in there. So as we come to Genesis 25, and we pick up the family line, today we pick up the Jacob stories in chapters 25 to 35, and so specifically today, our story is Harry and the heel grabber. Harry and the heel grabber. So before we get to Jacob, the Jacob and Esau story, I want to make three comments. Number one, in Genesis 25, 1 to 18, it records the deaths of Abraham and Ishmael, but the following verses the verses that we're looking at this morning, are not in chronological order. So Abraham is still alive at the time that Jacob and Esau are born. So just a, a note for that. The second note is that our verses today are theologically very significant. You might not exactly pick up on that in the story itself, but as we read from Romans 9... Paul makes it very clear how significant those verses were, that story was, that God's sovereign election is not based upon anything that a person has done, but it is solely based upon the mercy of God. God chose Jacob before he had even done anything, good or bad. The third thing before we get into the story, and this is actually a question, and it's always a good question to ask as you come to the text, and that is, so what? I mean, this story, so what? Unless, unless you are, you know, really interested in ancient Near Eastern history, then why would we care about this story? I mean, here we are, 2018, living our lives today, and why would we care about this weird little birth story? What's that had to do with anything? Why would we go back and look at this? Well, as Christians... Listen to Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ's, so for those of you who profess to be Christians, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs.
heirs according to promise. So the reason that we would read this story and study it, the reason that we would care about this story, is because it is our family story. It shows us how the Lord deals with our family. And it shows us this very long path that the Lord has taken to make us his own. Our God, our help in ages past, and our hope in years to come. So with those three things in mind, turn to your notes, and here's our main idea this morning. God has entered into our struggles, and even through them, protects his blessings and promises to us. God has entered into our struggles, and even through them, protects his blessings and promises to us. So look at Genesis 25. Verse 19, now these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. So this is great. Finally, things are lining up for the fulfillment of God's promises. I mean, we were wondering, as we read this story, if this is ever going to happen, if all, all of these children that are going to come, if it's ever going to happen. 25 years after Abraham and Sarah were promised that they would have a child, 25 years later, Isaac is born. So there's one error. Now, at age 40, finally... Isaac gets married, and not only that, as we learned last week, Isaac doesn't marry a Canaanite, so he marries a woman of good stock. So now the family is positioned to have more heirs. Isaac's got a wife, they're all ready to go, things are moving in the right direction. The promises of God are finally on track. Everything that God said he was going to do can now take place. Well, not exactly. Verse 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Rebecca was barren. Now, remember from last week, the blessing that was given to Rebecca. May you become thousands of ten thousands. And remember the promises that were made to Abraham. Your, your, your offspring are going to be the stars, as many as the stars of the sky, as many of the sands of the sea. You're going to have all of these children. Nice blessings, but we have a problem here. Rebecca is barren. In fact, this whole passage is loaded with problems. Barrenness, struggling, division, favoritism. Maybe you can relate to one of those words. So let's, let's get into this. Look at your outline. Uh, three simple points here. No fill in the blanks. Kind of go into summer mode here. Go, go easy. You don't, you don't have to do any work. But, but listen, even though you're not writing anything, still listen, okay? Here they are. Number one, why the struggle? Number two, here's why. And number three, what do I do with my struggles? So why the struggle? 
Here's why. What do I do with mine? So number one, why the struggle? Rebecca had been barren for 20 years. And yet it's interesting that the condition of her barrenness and the resolution to that are all presented in one verse. I mean, this barrenness, for those of you who have been through it, that, this, this is huge. That's a huge problem. This huge 20-year promise-crushing problem is mentioned very briefly in just one verse in the story. Verse 21, Isaac pr prayed to God because his wife was barren. The Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah conceived. Boom, problem solved, promise back on track. That quick. And now we move on. And then verse 22, verse 22 then kind of captures the real message. It kind of captures the heart of the story. So as significant as it was that Rebecca was barren, we kind of move on that past that pretty quickly. So verse 22, here's the heart of it. The, chi the children, interesting, struggled, right, we did that struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, then why is this happening to me? So finally, Rebecca is pregnant, but something is happening inside of her. There is all of this activity. There is this, there is this wrestling match that's taking place inside of her. Now, those of you who have kids... You, you've gone through this, you parents, and you know, the mom's pregnant, and the baby starts to grow, and then you, you say to the husband, it's like, oh, here, here, feel that, feel right here, right, remember this? Feel it here, there. You feel that? And, and you go, uh, well, no, here, 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 feel right here, right here, here. Do you feel that? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. You remember that, okay? So now, imagine Isaac and Rebecca based on this story. So, Rebecca goes, hey, Isaac, feel that. What? Whoa, what, what is going on in there, right? What is happening? That's what Rebecca wants to know. So Rebecca's response to the Lord, yes, thank you, Lord, I was barren, and now I'm going to have a baby, but what's going on here? So she says, Lord, what's going on? Lord, why the struggle? How many of you have ever used those words to God? Huh? How many of you have ever said, Lord, what's going on here? That's what she says. And of course, we, we have used those words. We've used those words lots of times because we have tons of struggles. All shapes, all sizes, all colors. I mean, it looks every different way. But every one of you, I mean, think about what you have gone through this week. You've had struggles. Kids, have you had any struggles this week? Any struggles? Any problems at all? Has everything been perfectly perfect all week? It hasn't, has it? We have all kinds of struggles. So Rebecca, with her struggle, what's she do? She does exactly the right thing. 
she, get this kids, what she do with her struggle? She inquires of the Lord. Lord, what's going on? Why the struggle? And the Lord answers her. Well, sort of. So point number two is here's why. So point number one, why the struggle? Point number two, here's why. So in verse 23, we see the Lord's answer to Rebecca's question. Verse 23, listen to this. Remember, she's asking what's going on. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided, and the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Okay, thanks for that answer. So the Lord kind of gives Rebecca more of an answer than what she expected. Now, ladies, have you ever been told that you're going to have twins? How many of you ever been told you're going to have twins? Chris, you should raise your hand. Because we hadn't been married very long. And uh, Chris was pregnant, and we were not ready for that. And the doctor says, you know, I think you may have twins. Like, we're not ready for one, and we're going to have two. Okay, so it's kind of a, that could be kind of a shock. But not only was Rebecca told that she was going to have twins, but she was told that she would have two nations, whatever that means, that she would have two peoples, and this is going to end up being the Israelites and the Edomites, and, she's, and, and the Lord says, not only two nations, but those two are going to be divided, or they're going to be divisive. They are not going to get along. There is going to be conflict, and the struggling has already started in your stomach. The warfare that's going to take place, you know, you wonder what's going on? That's what's going on, and Tums ain't going to help that. So, the Lord's message, it explains some things, but it certainly creates a lot of other questions, don't you think? Plus, the Lord also told her that one will be stronger than the other. And, strangely enough, the older is going to serve the younger. Now, in that culture, that was really significant because it just didn't happen that way. So that's the message that Rebecca gets. And it's like, okay, so what does this mean? What, what kind of conflict is this going to create? So Rebecca found out that the struggle is going to continue. The struggle that's within you is going to continue for a while, but the struggle that is now going to be around you is going to go on for a long, long time. Rebecca found out that this struggle, or we find out from reading this story, that the struggle is the, the, the foreshadowing, it's the foreshadowing of an ongoing conflict that is going to take place between those who have been chosen to be a part of the family of God and between those who are outside of the family of God. What was going on inside of Rebecca would be representative 
of all kinds of struggles that would take place in the world. And I think it's important to notice that Rebecca, she didn't know what to do with this struggle. She didn't know how to interpret what was going on, but God does. And that's important for us to know in our struggles. God said to Rebecca, my hand is in this. And we need to get that. We need to know that in our struggles, that we are, we don't know how to interpret what's going on. I mean, sometimes we think, okay, here's what's going on. And this is what, but, but we need to take whatever struggles we had and we need to bring them before the word of God who knows what's going on, who's in it, and who is the interpreter of what's happening. Okay? So verse 24, the twins are born. And then listen to verse 25. The first came out red, the first came out red, and all his body was like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. You get this? Kids, did you hear that? This is the Bible. This isn't just a fairy tale, this is true. He came out red and all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. And afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So, his name was called Jacob. So, Esau was red and hairy. And so, he probably had either one of those nicknames or both. In fact, his nickname was probably Red, which was Edom. That was probably his nickname, which is interesting because he was going to be the father of the Edomites. And it's also interesting that the land where they lived, Mount Seir, and in there was, had these rocky cliffs, like you read in the book of Obadiah, and, it, and those rocky cliffs were red in color. So there's just a lot of things that were all kind of happening here that you didn't know at the time. Well, the second son was named Jacob, which means heel grabber, the one who grabs the heel. Now, that name, Jacob, it had a positive connotation and a negative connotation. The positive connotation, the word means protector, or like, it means like to protecting the heel, as in the like, like the rear guard protector, okay? The protector of the one who's behind you, the heel protector, the one who's, the one, or we might say, I've got your back, okay? So the, the, the rear guard protector. So that's a positive sense of the word. The negative sense is it means deceiver or liar. Or it's referring to like a, 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 a cheating competitor, I was looking at my wife there because she thinks that I'm a cheating competitor when we play games. But she didn't say anything. So, so good. We'll, we'll go on. Uh, but the cheating competitor, this is the one who doesn't want to lose. This is the one who doesn't want to be second. This is the one who, who grabs the person, you know. You, you, you want to get ahead, so you grab the person and pull them so that you can get ahead. So you pull them back so that you can get ahead. And that's what we have here. Okay. 
So positive connotation, negative connotation for this name Jacob. Now imagine that you're having twins, okay? And they come out, they come out like right together, which this doesn't happen that quick, right? But they come out right together, and one is holding the heel of the other. Now, as that happens, what would you think? Oh, would you look at that? Right? You'd think that. Oh, that's nice. That's so, that's so tender. There's gonna, they're going to be so close. And, 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 the, and the one is going to be so protective of the other. So when the baby came out, what name do you think they had in mind? Do you think they had in mind deceiver? Cheater? I don't think so. And yet, these twins, as nice, oh, this is so nice. These, ch- these twins are not going to be best buds, are they? You know the story. And Jacob would very much live up to the negative sense of that term. I'm going to get ahead of you, competitive cheater, liar, conniver, schemer type person, he really takes on the significance of that name. So the struggle begins in the womb, and it's going to continue in the birth canal, and it's going to continue through their whole life, and it's going to continue in their descendants, and it's going to continue all the way down to us. And Jacob, although the younger would be the chosen of God. Jacob would be the chosen of God. He would carry the blessing. He would be the one to bear the name Israel. God's people. Why? Why Jacob? Because Jacob was righteous. Because Jacob was faithful. Because Jacob was loyal because Jacob had his life together, right? Right? No, not at all. I mean, we know how the story goes. Jacob was a liar and a cheater and a conniver and a a schemer and, and a grabber. He was all of those things. Now, who was better, Jacob or Esau? You know, that's kind of a toss-up. Who was the one who deserved God's blessing? Neither one. God chose Jacob based upon his own sovereign purposes. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Grace alone. Your salvation is by grace alone. Praise God. Nothing that you have done. So point number one, why the struggle? Point number two, here's why. Here's why. Because God's in it. God's doing something. He is working his plan even in the struggle. And now point number three. What do I do about my struggle? What do I do with my struggle? Three things. So under now you can write. Three things under point number three. Number one. Embrace the struggle. Embrace the struggle. In my job, I talk to a lot of people who have all kinds 
of stuff going on. I mean, there's so many things. And so many of them, and naturally so, so many of them say, I just can't understand what's going on. I mean, why is this struggle happening? Why do I have this problem? I I, I I can't believe this. And one of my common responses, not one of the most popular ones, is, yeah, you know, Jesus said that would happen. Jesus said, you will have troubles in this world. So, here they are. And we do, right? Troubles all over the place. We know that. Troubles everywhere, all over the place. Even in your closest relationships. Even in your bosom buddy in the womb relationships. There are struggles. It's a fallen world. It's messed up. That's where we are. It's broken. It's awful, but embrace it. I mean, don't just shake your head and say, I can't believe this. Life's supposed to be perfect. No. Embrace it. Number two, embrace your own sinful grabbing. Embrace your own sinful grabbing. We live in a fallen world. And we live among fallen people. But so much of the so much of the struggle that we go through, we bring on ourselves because of our own sin, because of our own sinful grabbing. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that goes on out there that's bad and that we're victims, and yes, all of that, but it's not just out there, it's in here. We have the same. Jacob heart and hand that grabs, that wants to get our own. Right? You can relate to this? Were any of you deceitful this week? Did any of you uh, hatch a scheme? Were any of you manipulative? Did any of you, you know, just kind of play the game? To get your way, your selfish ambition, your, I want my share, I want to make sure that I'm taken care of, right? We know that. And yes, we agonize over our lack of progress as Christians. We we agonize over our lack of sanctification, and we hate our sins Again and again, and then we love our sins again and again, and then we hate our sins again and again, and we know that cycle. That's how it is. So embrace it. Now, don't settle in it, and don't stop fighting in it, but embrace the reality of it, own it, and confess it. And now point number three. Embrace the Savior. So embrace the struggle. Embrace your sin in the struggle, but embrace the Savior. This, this story makes no sense. In fact, you really, you really can't preach just this little section of the story. You can't just list these verses and that's it. This story makes no sense if there's not a Savior in the final chapter. It makes no sense unless there's a Savior, but there is. A Savior who has heard the world's struggle. A Savior who has heard. 
A Savior who has heard the desperate groans of barrenness in all of its forms. Of divisiveness. Of selfish grabbing. Whether you are the perpetrator or the victim. Whether you're the grabber or the grabby. The Savior hears those desperate groans and he has entered the struggle and Jesus has embraced the struggle in a way that we never could. You get that? Jesus has embraced the struggle in a way that we never could. The full weight of sin came down on him. The full power of Satan's struggles against Jesus landed on him full force and nailed him to a cross and threw him into the grave and the struggles of the world buried Jesus. But only his heel was bruised. Only his heel was bruised. And he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and he's overcome the struggle and he's overcome all of the things that lead to the struggle. That's the gospel, isn't it? So, the story of Harry and the heel grabber. It's kind of crazy. But I want to finish this morning by giving you an even crazier illustration. And sometimes those are the ones you remember. So, here it is. I want you to imagine two people in the womb. Okay? Two babies in the womb, and one is red and hairy, and one is this grabber, this wild grabber, okay? But they're both ugly. Both of them are ugly. And they're going at it, and, and they're wrestling. And man, they are just, in every way, pounding each other. And they would kill each other, except, and here's the crazy part, the Lord comes into the womb in the middle of that struggle, that wrestling, and he, he grabs hold of one of them. He grabs hold of, of the grabber, and he grabs hold of that grabber, and he grabs him by the heel, okay, and he takes him out. He's delivered through the birth canal, and he's holding on to the heel, and he is with that child his whole first year of his life. Never lets go of him. In his second year, in his 10th year, in his 20th year, in his 30th year, in 50 years, in 60 years, in 70 years, and he holds on to that heel, he holds on to him his whole life. And he's, he's grabbing on to that heel and holding on to him through all kinds of struggles and all kinds of, of troubles. And he holds on to him through, through crisis and through despair and through his deceitfulness and his scheming. And he holds on to him through his, through his lying and his cheating and his selfish grabbing. And he holds on to him through the little pinch and the big pinch. And a cracking and a grinding and a pressure and a pulling. And it seems 
sometimes, sometimes it seems as if there's nobody holding on to you at all, right? Well, he's just holding on to your heel. But he's got you. And it's a very firm, loving grasp that has been holding on to you all the time. And no matter what happens, he never lets go. He's my savior. He is my heel-grabbing, rear-guard protector. My whole life. He's my promise keeper. He's my blessing bestower. This kind of God deserves our faith and deserves our praise. Let's pray. Our God. Our help in ages past. Our hope in years to come. Oh, be our guard while troubles last in our eternal home. Oh, we need you, Lord, our whole life on the best days and the worst days. Thank you for sending Jesus our Savior.